All right, well, uh, I want to continue our, our healthy relationships series and was thinking back the other day, earlier this week, back to the beginning of COVID. Anyone remember those days? Like right at the beginning, we had no idea what we're getting into, right? Y'all remember that? Like, we're like, oh, two weeks. We'll just lay low for two weeks. It's going to be great. And we're all like, that's a long time. This is my world to be really messed up for two weeks. That's, that's what we're like. Remember, remember the, uh, the early masks, right? Because no one had like a bunch of face masks sitting around. And so people made mask contraptions out of whatever they had. Anyone remember those mask contraptions? Anyone see any out there at the store? Any good mask contraptions? So I, I Googled it. You know, I got to look curious. So just take me back. Uh, take me back to the beginning of COVID days, not that I want that, but just take me back to those masks. And um, the secret to finding a few good ones, by the way, was putting Walmart in the Google search when you're looking for mask fails. So anyways, here's a few uh, masks that I enjoyed uh, the early days. He went the full, the full garb, the full deal. So uh, I don't know how effective that is. That's why we have Jeff Wong as an expert in that, so he could give us wisdom about that. But this guy chose that. Or how about this guy? Um, I like that. I don't know what the bird theme is uh, with both these, but uh, I, like, I like the bird style. And with the, uh, <laughs> you see the uh, garlic hanging on that? Just to ward off, ward it off. Um, how about... Uh, how about this one? Just the classic bag, just the double layer, the bag. Um, so, hey, maybe it's good. I don't know. But it's, it's kind of like stylish, I feel like, for that person, style statement. So, um, you know, these, these are funny masks that people made. But uh, when we think about masks, it, this thing didn't really start in COVID. Masks didn't start in COVID. And I'm not talking about the history of face masks, and we're not going to do like a, a deep dive in the history of face masks. What I'm talking about is the relational and emotional masks that we've all worn for most of our lives. To hide what's going on on the inside, to hide our weaknesses, to hide our faults, to hide our sins, to hide those places in us where we feel like a failure or we don't feel like we're worth being loved. Uh, we tend to put masks over that place so that other people can see of us what we want them to see of us and not see what we don't want them to see. And most of us, we're honest, like I've spent most of my life having masks on that I wasn't even aware that I had on. <laughs> they were, I was just going on through the motions and all of a sudden something wasn't working in some relationships in my life and I'm like, Huh, I wonder what it is. Must be their problem. And all of a sudden I realize I've been wearing a mask in this relationship or in my heart all along. And, and the reality is um, they don't, these, these relational and emotional masks we tend to wear, it doesn't work very well for us. In fact, I think in COVID we picked up physical masks, but what COVID did often was actually remove the emotional and relational masks and expose for many of us where we are. We've all seen it in our lives and lives of people or relationships around us, like, like brokenness has come out of, of COVID and, and, and really kind of, like I said, expose where we really are. And this isn't new. This, this happened all the way since right after humans were created. 
And so that's where actually we're going to camp today in the story of creation in Genesis chapter 2 and then most time in Genesis chapter 3. And today I want to talk about why is it that we hide behind these masks and how it's affecting us and what is the pathway out of that hiding and into the emotional and relational freedom and abundant life that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Anyone want to get a little more free? Anyone want more life in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships? I believe that's what Jesus wants us to have, uh, although it's not a perfect road, because he died so that we may experience life and life more abundantly, John 10. So let's look at Genesis. We're going to start in chapter 2. As you turn there, you know, this, this story of creation is central to not only the whole storyline of Scripture, but our understanding of world history and, and what's going on. It's like, um, I've often shared this analogy before, but when, when I... Um, watch shows or a movie with my wife, I often tend to miss the first few minutes. I'm getting food. I'm stocking up, you know, for the time. And got to get loaded up with food, ready to go. And then what happens, because I miss the beginning, is I end up asking her questions for the rest of the time, and she gets frustrated, and then I end up in the second half of the movie not knowing what actually happened, because she's tired of answering my questions, right? And so same thing with Scripture. The creation story in Genesis 1 through 3 actually sets up in many ways, the rest of Scripture. And it's interesting, you know, we know of Adam and Eve. The name Adam is actually not a proper name in Hebrew. Uh, That word actually literally means human. And same with Eve. That's not a proper uh, Hebrew name. That that word with, with the name Eve actually means life. And so you have human and you have life. And I love his pastor and author, John Mark Comer, says in Genesis 2 and 3, This is the story of how human and life got to their present state. And so I want to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It says this, And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. They were both naked and not ashamed. Now I want to make a quick note because that Hebrew word there with the word naked is is the Hebrew word arum. And what a room means is this, is this sense of vulnerability. In a positive light, it's, it's coming as I am into a relationship, and that's good. Because when we're sitting with God, for example, in our place of vulnerability, coming as we are to God, that's where we can be loved. Not as we want to be, but that's where we can be loved as we actually are. And it's in our vulnerability, therefore, we're able to receive love, okay? So they were naked and unashamed. And we're going to go to the next verse, starting in chapter 3, which is where sin enters, or what we know as the fall. It says this, now the serpent was more crafty, it's actually the same word, a room, I'm going to come back to that, than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took his fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Also the word a room. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, a room, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten the tree of life, or the tree? A tree of life. Have you eaten the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. Heard that before from a lot of people, right? Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. All right. Um, so notice the word of room is used actually in two different ways. In chapter 2, the word of room is this positive sense of vulnerability. In chapter 3, the concept in the word of room is used in a negative sense of feeling exposed and covering our shame or, or using craftiness. And so there's kind of um, two different uses of a room. One, we have a room of hiddenness. And one, we have in a room of good vulnerability that sets us free. And so we have a choice as human beings what type of a room or nakedness we're going to choose. Adam chose the room of hiddenness. The second Adam, Jesus, chose the room of vulnerability. And so I want to start by looking at the first Adam and understanding why is it that we as human beings put on masks and hide. And so I want to talk about the process from, this, from these scriptures of, of, of how this works in our life. First, it starts with a lie. Behind our relational fear and our hiding is always a lie. Now notice how the devil came in these first verses of chapter 3. He didn't come with a pitchfork and say, I'm going to get you. I'm the devil, right? He didn't whack him over the head, right? He came with something that was just a little bit off 100% truth. He said, did God really say? There's a lot of that going on in culture right now, by the way. He said, did God really say? Like God speaks. I believe in God, but, but did, did he really say that specific thing? And then the serpent comes even more strongly. He says, you surely shall not die. The way, the primary and really almost solely way that the enemy comes at us is through lies. He doesn't force you to do crazy things. He doesn't force you to be broken in your relationships. He lies to you. And then that lie taken on, believed and lived out, starts to create a cycle of hiddenness that leads to brokenness. At the core of our hiding, insecurity, and shame is a lie. A lie that we believe often first about God, but then about ourselves, that we're not enough. A lie that we're a failure. A lie that people will always leave us. A lie, right? 
like, like how many relate to this one? If I, if I fully trust my spouse, I'll be taken advantage of because that's what I saw with my parents. Or, or good things just don't really happen to me, so why try? Or my best days are behind me. I had some shots and I blew it and here I am. Or I, I can't do anything that'll make people upset with me. I just can't do that. Or if I, I feel something, then it must be true of me. Or if anyone actually knew me, they would reject me. Lies that we believe about ourselves. We've all got some, right? And what we believe, truth or lie, about ourselves affects the way that we relate to other people. Y'all ever put on a prescription that isn't the right prescription for you? Right? Like a really wacky prescription, right? Like the craziest one that's like the opposite of what you need? You've probably, I've never seen anyone put on a prescription and run through a crowd of people successfully and not hit anyone, right? That's often how we live in our relationships. We believe a bunch of lies with the wrong prescription about life and ourselves, and so we end up running in and have a bunch of relational casualties. We all got that, right? And so what happens if we see ourselves through a messed up lens, then that changes the way we relate to God and others. What happened here? They covered their nakedness, and then they hid. They hid from God. They hid from one another. What did God say? He said, where are you? Where are you? God, it wasn't like God's GPS was broken. Like, hey, I can't find you today. Can you tell me where you are? Shout loudly, because I'm hard of hearing up here. No, no, that's, that's not what was happening. He knew where Adam and Eve were. He was looking for the real them. He was looking for the authentic them, not the covered them, not the them they felt they needed to be with God. He was looking for the real them, the them that they were concealing, the them with blemishes, the them, right, like us, that we feel like, I'm not that smart, I, I'm, I, I'm worth rejecting, and I don't really deserve friends, and I'm not successful, I feel like I always fail, right? Like that, that them is what he's looking for, and that us is what he's looking for, but we don't want to be exposed in that way in our relationships, so in order to not be a recluse, we end up covering ourselves, right? in our relationships, covering our true selves to make ourselves presentable to make up for what we're lacking, <clears throat> right? And so what we do is we, we take things in our life. These chairs connect? <laughs> oh, and in the, this is a new insight for me right there. We take things in our life, right? And, and we, we take covers, right? Covers around us right? And we start to cover the, the worst of us, and we learn new ways of living and relating, right? A need to be needed, a need. I'll, I'll always be helpful to you, right? I'll always be here for you, right? I'll never let you down. I'll, I'll never say anything hard to you or anything that'll upset you. <clears throat> or I'll be the best husband, right? I, I'll, I'll never fail you, right? Or I'll be the best wife, or I'll be the, the best friend to you, or, or, or painting a picture of success, because in our core, like me, you're afraid of failing. You're afraid of being perceived as others, as not being successful. And what happens, right, or, or, or a need to control, a need to appear that we have it all together, what happens, we take these covers 
into our relationships, right? So Julie, it's good to meet you, Julie. Hey, hey Johanna, uh, figure that out here. We take these covers into our relationships and we live with a clouded version, right, of, of who we are in our relationships. I know for me, at my core, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of people perceiving that I'm failing. And, 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 and that thread, I didn't even realize had been woven into every area of my life. It was not until years and years of living and years and years of trying to cover up my failures and trying to, not hiding sin, that's not what I'm talking about, but trying to, to, to put the best version of myself forward, it finally started to get exhausting. That thread wove into the way I related to people, even some of you. That thread wove into my marriage. That thread wove into the way I led. That, thro that, that thread is woven in to so many places, even the way I relate to God. All of us, we carry a, a place where we're broken and we learn to, to cover that. I'll share more about my story here in a little bit. But how does this play out in our lives? It plays out in what happens after hiding is death. This is what God said would happen, right? Relational brokenness, right? Look at Genesis 3. What happens in verse 12 and 13? Right? They hide from God. The man, Adam, blames it on God and on the woman, and the woman blames on the serpent. So you got all kinds of relational dysfunction happening. Then what happens with their kids? Murder. You got all kinds of family dysfunction that starts to get passed down through the line. Now, I know y'all come from perfect families, right? Like, like I'm the only one right, that came from an imperfect family, which led to my own personal dysfunction at times, right? No, no, like this church is for screwed up people, y'all, <laughs> right? And, and I'm sure there's some other churches with perfect people that you might fit in better, but like this church is for screwed up people like me. And you better believe I still see a counselor sometimes. You better believe I'm still in process because the reality is we've all gotten discipled by the world in screwed up ways. And Jesus wants to set us free. And I want abundant life in my relationships. I want abundant life in my marriage and my relationships with my kids. I want abundant life in my leadership. So I'm leaning in. I'm leaning into the pain, right? And so wherever we live from our false self in our relationships, we end up leaving a little bit of a wake behind us or possibly a lot of wake behind us, right? At best, right, it is a wake of relational fragmentation. At worst, it's a wake of destruction and pain and carnage in our relationships behind us. You see, at our core, our deepest longing as human beings is to know I am loved as I am. I am accepted as I am. I have what it takes by God's grace as I am. 
not as trying to be the person next to me. For so often us men, our deepest cries, do I have what it takes? See, you can know here that God loves you, but live performing for it in all your relationships. You can know here that, um, you know, that you are loved by a whole community of people, and if you even shared your stuff, you'd get loved, but then still not go there because there's often a separation between our head and our heart, and that separation is the places we hide. The only way out to end the separation between our head and our heart is to come out of hiding as we are into our relationship first with God and into our relationship with others. We often talk in the church, the separation between our head and heart, let me make it simple, come out of hiding. That's how, that's how you get free. Come as you are into a relationship with God, not as the church version of you or the perfect Christian version of you or the good put together Sunday version of you. Come as you are to church. Come as you are to God. That is called being vulnerable. And it's funny, when it comes to vulnerability, the very thing we're afraid of the most is the very thing that'll set us free. Vulnerability. As one author said, vulnerability is actually the birthplace of love, of belonging, of joy, of courage, of empathy, and creativity. Because you see, without vulnerability, we're living in a shell of who we're made to be. But when we're vulnerable, as we actually are, our heart can start to feel. And out of that place, intimacy in a marriage or relationships, creativity, life, and I even believe the anointing of the Holy Spirit rests in that place. And honestly, that's hard. Because all of us have tried it and been hurt. In our families, we've tried it, and, they, and our parents didn't care. Or we tried it in the church, and someone just slapped a scripture on us and left. Yeah, like you know it, right? We've tried it with people, and they gave us like the unemotionally engaging spiritual answer, fix yourself. Right? The good news is you don't need to live trapped in a tiring shell in your relationships, in your relationship with God. Because Jesus gives us, shows us the way and gives us the power to come out of hiding. And I know some of you, you're like, I ain't ready to get vulnerable today. And I wanna say, it's okay to be where you are. We're just, we're just inviting you a step forward. And the one I know named Jesus He's gonna give you the grace to take one step at a time. You see, Jesus modeled vulnerability. Do you know we have a God who became human? There ain't no other God out there like that. God became human. He was born as a baby. Through an imperfect human being, he submitted to imperfect parents. He had human limitations. He needed to sleep. He needed to eat and go to the bathroom, right? That's not in there, but, you know, he's a human being. He had emotions. Do you know Jesus, our God, the manliest man who ever lived? It's a stud. He worked with his hands, but he also, he showed emotions. He wept. 
He was a hard worker and he wept. He showed emotions. He showed vulnerability in his relationships. It was said of Jesus in Isaiah 43 or 42, verse 3, it says, it described him as a bruised reed who would not break. <laughs> you know, the, the Israelites were believing for the warrior God who'd come, and then their prophecies, your savior will be a bruised reed. Just moving in the wind. Because he's vulnerable. He he came as God and as a vulnerable human, and you see what he did in his vulnerability, he modeled the very thing that Adam failed to model for us. He modeled dependency on on the Father God. He modeled holiness. He modeled real freedom, because he didn't cover up. He was himself. You see, and the other thing he did, he broke the power of sin so we could come out of hiding. John 13, 19, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That word in the Greek means paid in full. I don't know what you've done or has been done to you that keeps you in hiding, but whatever that is was fully paid for, paid in full. That thing, as scripture says, is removed as far as the east and the west. And not only are you forgiven and clean, the Bible says you're a new creation. I love this 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. That's good news. So I don't know about that thing you did last week or that thing you did when you were 12 or that thing that was done to you that, God, that it breaks God's heart and mauled your identity and your sense of self-worth. But what you've done or what has been done to you is not who you are anymore. Because that thing you're most ashamed of, Jesus broke it away from your identity by giving you a new identity. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you're holy, you're pure, you're a son or daughter of the living God, you are the righteous and redeemed, you are a saint, you're a new creation. So God loves you. Not for how you perform for him or what you do for him or what kind of Christian you are. He loves you because he made you and then redeemed you and cleansed you. And the lie I believe we often believe in Christianity is that Christianity is for the ones who are strong. <laughs> that is quite the opposite. Paul said that Jesus said, in our weakness, his strength is perspected. Paul said, I boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Christianity and following Jesus is for the weak, for the vulnerable. And so I want to invite us today. It's time to come out of hiding. You do not need to stay in the shell of a person. And it doesn't mean we're inviting you to clean up your life and get it together. That's not what I'm saying. I'm inviting you to be messed up with us today. And come as you are.
And you see, I think when it comes to authenticity and vulnerability, there's a little confusion at times. I think there's two ditches. One ditch is this false appearance we talk about that could be a worldly false appearance, like, hey, look at me, I'm so successful, whatever. Or it could be a religious false appearance, like masks that we wear, church masks, right? You got your worldly mask to relate to your people in the world and try to be cool there. And then you come to church, you put on your church mask, right? There's false appearance. The other ditch is pursuing our true self as our primary goal in all of life. That my, that identifying and, and self-acclimating to my truest self is my primary goal, right? And so what people often do is they just say what they want. Hey, this is what I feel in this relationship. This is what I think, right? I'm gonna tweet this and post that because I'm just being authentic. And half the time it's like, yeah, you, you're being an authentic jerk, Right now is what you're being, right? You see, if I'm committed to every thought and every urge and every longing of my heart that comes to my mind and my heart, I'm in bondage. My authentic self, right? If I just follow every one of those, it's gonna leave a trail of destruction behind me. If I am on an identity level, whatever I feel, or think, or think sexually, or relationally, or physically, in whatever moment I'm in, that makes me a little crazy at times. Like, like if you just look at my interior you know, thoughts, I'm not out there thinking about trash all the time, but like I'm a human. And if I just took every one of those feelings on as my identity, I wouldn't, you know, I would, <laughs> I'd be all over the place. We need to be honest about what's going on inside of us, but this concept in kind of postmodern culture that, that my feelings and my desires in the moment are the ultimate source of wisdom and truth, and I should interpret the world around me, but what I'm feeling in that moment, right, and that to actualize my potential, I need to be free from any sense of anyone else's authority in my life, that's not only a lie, but it doesn't work. It's not, it's, not, it's not working, right? And so we need to be honest about where we are. Let me give us a better picture maybe of, of vulnerability. You see in the middle, this is kind of a long definition. I need to be true to Jesus and who he says I am. Yeah. While being honest with God, myself, and others of where I am right now in the process. I'm not trying to be true to every emotion I have. It's going to screw me up. I'm being true to Jesus and who he says I am, and then I'm going to come and tell you my jacked up mess in process I'm in right now. That's, that's vulnerability. Y'all see the difference? Two ditches, Jesus and vulnerability in the middle. And so, I just want to tell you, vulnerability has set me free. I look back at my, my, my high school days, my college days, I was doing everything to prove to myself that I had what it takes. And so I came into marriage and we lived for the first many years of marriage 
And I just had this goal, I will be the best husband. I will be the Ephesians 5 husband. And I tried and tried and tried. But you see, the problem is I failed sometimes. No, I wasn't a major sin on the side, but I, but I just failed. And so I started to feel ashamed, like, man. And, and I needed her to tell me I was, I was doing great. And on top of that, I grew up in a family where we, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't honest about what was going on in our heart. And so there were things that started to frustrate me about her. And I bottled up because I was being the good Ephesians 5 husband, right? I'm not going to have, I'm not going to tell you what I think about this thing. I'm just going to serve you. Well, come in a few years, and we didn't, I didn't know we were doing that, right? Well, a few years in, and, and I just got a volcano of frustration and anger built up. And meanwhile, I'm just performing in my marriage, trying to serve, trying to be a Christian, trying to love, right? And we got in a place, and we just had an honest conversation one day of like, I'm frustrated in this many places in this much. I'm not feeling it right now. You see, what had happened is it had bottled up again and again and again. It was just me trying to, trying to be the best husband, just trying to follow Jesus, just trying to, but what was lacking was an honesty about what I was feeling and thinking. You see, I didn't see that growing up. We started to be vulnerable. By the way, we're doing great. Started being vulnerable, and we started to get set free. We're experiencing life we didn't know possible in our marriage. Same thing, I'll be honest, when we started this church, I was, I was afraid. We moved across the country with $7,000, <laughs> the opposite direction that everyone else is moving. <laughs> you better believe I was afraid of failing. And you better believe that influenced the way I led at times. I don't stand here today having mastered this all. But what God had to do was really painfully show me that I'm not in control of this church. I'm not in control of what people think about me. That only he is. But I had no clue I was doing that. And the reality is, you and I, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not even aware of the mask we wear for so long until we get into close relationship and some things start to not work for us. Yeah. And the way out of vulnerability is not some clean little process. The way of freedom in our marriage and the way of freedom in my leadership of this church, it was like me having a bunch of awkward conversations of like, I feel like I suck. And let me just tell you, all my thoughts and feelings are all disordered and screwed up and like my weird thoughts about life and marriage and the church and whatever and some, with a few trusted people. Guess what? That set me free. It set me free and it's setting me free. Vulnerability is not just something we do the one time where we sin and we need to tell someone. Vulnerability is the way of Jesus. He lived it. He modeled it. It's not just what we do when we confess sin. It's just being who we are with God and others. And that is the place where you get loved. So a few ways we cultivate that really quickly. One is identify your feelings and needs. I'm just going to buzz through here for time. So like identify your feelings and needs. If I can put that uh, little chart up there. <clears throat> you see, I lived my life so often looking at what other people should be doing differently and then trying to perform for them. And all the meanwhile, I felt like two emotions. I was like happy or mad, <laughs> right? I think most men maybe relate to me. I was happy or sad or mad, maybe three. 
And under that iceberg tip was a whole lot of things I didn't even realize what was going on. I didn't know how to tap in with some of these emotions, right? Avoidant, right? Worried. I had no idea I was living in anxiety most of my life. Probably like diagnosable level anxiety. Devastated, frustrated, irritated, right? Rejected, ignored. So identify what are you feeling in the moment. When you're just, uh, go, go down the iceberg. What are you feeling? Not what did that person maybe should have done differently. Not what did that person say to you. Not what did that person do wrong or what did that political party. No, no, what are you feeling? Because God's after you in your heart. Secondly, honor your feelings and needs by valuing yourself, just like God values you, enough to do something about it. I'm not talking self-help. I'm saying love your neighbor as you love yourself kind of theology. You know what I'm saying? Honor your feelings and needs. Not do whatever you feel, but dig down and take time to deal with it. Share with the right people. Who is in your life that you can just come on any given day and unload with. I just want to say, if we don't have that, that's a dangerous place to be in. And when you have that conversation, focus on you and your emotions, not on what other people should have done. And secondly, your vulnerability should match the level of relationship and or their trustworthiness. I think we often do phonability, faux vulnerability on social media. That ain't helping you or anyone else. We need to be vulnerable with the right people who can speak truth and offer empathy to our, which is the last thing. It's in those relationships, not on social media, but where you are in those relationships, what happens when we're vulnerable is we need to be loved as we are. And that is the way you'll get healed. That is the way you'll be set free with God and others. So lastly, receive empathy and receive the truth. I need people around me who will both just empathize and know when to shut up and just be present with me and who will also tell me, you're being an idiot in your marriage and I love you, right? And like, let me remind you who you are. You're a child of God. You're loved. You have a calling on your life. You better believe there's times leading this church, I was like, I'm ready to quit. And my friend's like, you're called by God. The anointing's on you. Let me tell you all the times I've seen God move through your life. I needed that. And we need that. You need that in your life. Who in your life group, in your friendships, in your family? Who are those people? And married people, it shouldn't just be your spouse. Men, you need other men. Ladies, you need other ladies. Because a marriage can't handle everything, all of that, in one relationship. All right. Um, do you want to do that? Modeling, do we have time? So, uh, okay, just come on up at Crystal. Um, so, okay. Isn't this great? He's doing such a good job. You're looking good too, babe. Hey, thanks, babe. Yeah. Hey, um, this is a conversation that happened this week with something in my life that I've honestly probably been trying to process for years, but uh, 
I feel like had new words this week, especially the last month or two, I've been trying to process, an area that I feel like uh, triggers this place of failure in me. <clears throat> and um, so this is a conversation we had a couple days ago. Uh, <clears throat> and I came and just, hey, this thing, and I should, babe, I feel like I and we have invested a lot of time and energy in this thing. And I'm really frustrated in this area of life that after all this time and energy, it feels like other people, like life happened and it sucked and it just wasn't what I thought. And it doesn't feel right. And I look around at other people who invested similar things in this area of their life and it, it's like it worked. And it just, it, I'm frustrated and I'm mad that, yeah, it feels like I got gypped. Yeah, that sounds like, you sound like you're very disappointed. You thought life was going to be one way, and it's different than what it was. And that's super difficult. I can imagine that that doesn't feel very good for you. Yeah, thank you. I feel validated. Uh, <laughs> and what I did next in the conversation, because just me being mad at other people or circumstances is not vulnerability. That was the beginning of me sharing. It was good that I went there, because I didn't even have words for that before. Mm -hmm. I feel like I got gypped. That's okay to say that. Then I said, and, and behind that, I think what I'm really feeling is it's like I'm, I'm failing in this area and I'm going to fail. And uh, scary. And I, by the way, like I was a guy like squatted 450 pounds and drove a big truck in high school. And like, I'm not the sit around and talk about your emotions kind of guy, but this is the way of Jesus, right? So. <laughs> You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> I honestly judge people that did this, so just for the record. So, yeah, I think behind that, like, I feel, I feel like my life is wasting away in this area, and I feel like I'm going to fail, and I'm such, like, a mix of mad because I feel like wasting time and energy and just things aren't fair, but I think behind that, I'm just, I'm afraid, and I'm, fear of failure thing probably back up in my life. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I can imagine that it feels really painful and sad to feel like you failed in something that matters so much to you. So I hear that. And I also want you to know that you're not a failure um, at all. And I really think this is just part of the journey that God has you on. And thank you for sharing that. I feel more connected to you now that you shared how you're feeling about those things. Thanks, babe. Mm -hmm. So that's not only what I do in my marriage, I do that in a few relationships with other men in my life. And that, my friends, is what we all need, an ability to go there. It took me time to get to those words in this area, by the way, so it may not be like a clean, pretty conversation like that. It might be like, help me figure out what's going on inside of me because I want to hit something, right? Uh, but we need, to, we need to slowly drill down. So... I know that this lands on us in different ways today. Some of us, we're exhausted of wearing a bunch of masks because some of us, we're not just wearing one mask. Like we're, we're running around with a bunch of masks and wearing a bunch of relationships and a bunch of, and I just want to say, because I've lived it, that, that's tiring. I'm not saying like you, you're the worst sinner in the world and you're covering up like you murdered someone last night. I'm saying like just, just 
your fears and your like places that, uh, you know, who you really are. Man, if we don't have a place where we're fully ourselves, that's tiring. And God wants to invite some of you to take the mask down today. Not the actual mask, take the emotional mask down and get free. Some of us, this is a foreign concept because you grew up in a family or a culture that said vulnerability is weak and vulnerability is bad, and especially for some of us men. Like, I judged vulnerability for so many years of my life. And I just, God wants to reform that in your mind that is good and it's a way to freedom. And lastly, some of us, we've, we've done this and we've done this in the church and we've been hurt. And I wanna say I'm sorry. I'm especially sorry if that happened in this church. And I want to invite you, I'm not going to force you, but I want to invite you to slowly risk again because God wants to bring freedom. Are you willing to take a step of courage? Maybe not today or maybe not the whole thing, but vulnerability is one of the most courageous things you'll ever do in your life. Chuck Swindoll said, if we want the advantages of love, then we must be willing to take the risks of love. And that requires vulnerability. But of course, we can refuse this path and trod one devoid of openness. And the toll on that road is extremely high. You see, vulnerability is costly, but not discovering vulnerability is way more costly. Lastly, who's in your life? If you don't know who that person is, I know some really great people. (laughs) both in this church and outside this church. You don't have to walk this journey alone. So if the band can come up, I just want to take a second before we do any actual response. And I just want to take ourselves to God. You see, Jesus modeled, if you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you put the Garden of Gethsemane next to the garden, Two gardens, one of hiddenness and one of vulnerability. Jesus perfectly modeled this. I didn't have time to teach this all. Jesus, he, he, he got vulnerable with his disciples. He said, pray for me. I'm weak, right, to the point of death. He prayed vulnerably to God the Father. He brought himself honestly. He went, I'm going to go to the cross, superhero. No, no. Father, I don't want to do this. I'm afraid to the point of death. It came vulnerably, and that's, I want us to, to go down our iceberg a little bit to that place with God for just a second. What is it you're afraid of? What is it that's stressing you out to the point of anxiety? What's going on below the surface there? okay to feel that feeling and to name that feeling because that's the first step of getting free. Just bring this to God. Not as you want to be, as you are. 
not a father who adores you. Not because you don't have sin. Because he made you and he saved you. to God about this place, honestly. It's what Jesus did. God, I'm anxious today. God, I'm afraid of this deadline coming up. God, if I'm honest, I, I feel like my, the best of my life is behind me and I'm blowing it again and again. God, like I'm falling behind. God, I feel really out of control right now. I can have some of our leaders, trusted leaders, just be available for prayer on the sides. Some of us, we just need to sit in this place and talk with God, but some of us, we need to maybe talk to someone. Because there's something when we talk to someone that has Jesus in them, Jesus in the flesh, not fully Jesus, you know what I mean, but Jesus with skin on him. And we verbalize what's going on in the inside of us. It breaks the power of shame that keeps us hidden. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. May not be a sin, it may be an emotion but come as you are in a relationship. And I believe God wants to bring healing. God wants to break the back of shame in your life to tenderize and set you, tenderize your heart and set you free again. So Father, for those of us that we need to, maybe someone here in this room, maybe a prayer team member, maybe someone sitting down, maybe a friend in our life who's not here, help us to step out today and just be known by someone else. Maybe it's confessing a sin or maybe it's just being known. This is where I'm at today. I'm tired here. Pray for me. Set us free. In Jesus' name. We're just going to make some space right now to respond to God. Maybe you need to go have a conversation. Maybe you just need to get a hug from someone in the place of being known. We want to walk with you. Love you. Let's respond to Jesus.